0: Hi, this is Andre Dawson, and you're listening to Ryan and Chad on the Friendly Confines podcast.
1: Chad, as we always like to say, nobody gets better guests than us here on the Friendly Confines. And man, you caught a whale for this one. Such an interesting (laughs) interview that we have in this special edition of the Friendly Confines this week.
2: So we're going to preview this for like 40 seconds and get right into it. But Rhino, I mean, the connections to Charlie Grimm, one of the winningest coaches in uh, in uh, in Cubs history, Um, the godson of Jack Brickhouse with the most notable voices in Chicago sports history. Scott Simon from NPR's Weekend Edition, also a special contributor, um, a prolific author, a couple of baseball books, one of them a Cubs book. What'd you like most about this interview You're about Ready to Hear? I just thought the stories were
1: so tremendous. I mean, learning about the fact that he was Jack Brickhouse's godson, learning the fact that he was the nephew of Charlie Grimm. I mean that's history right there and he wrote a terrific book about the cubs which i know you own as well so i'm really excited to hear more of scott's interview with you and we will go to that right now as here is scott simon from npr radio and cbs sunday morning in this special edition of the friendly confines
2: i always like to ask this question because this is a cubs podcast but i always like to just kind of you know start off with kind of the foundation what what made you a cubs fan obviously proximity where you grew up in chicago but but what what was it that that made you fall in love with this team
0: well i i I think certainly proximity and the special kind of intimacy that you can feel on the north side of Chicago with the Cubs. I mean, both in my grade school and in high school, Sen <clears throat> High School on the north side, um, when the windows were open during the spring and the fall, we could hear um, the crowd at Wrigley Field if there was a home run. Um, and you know, coming home, uh, taking the L. Um, home from high school, from Sen High School, you, you know, I, would, I, uh, I was a transfer student, you would, you would pass Addison. And uh, given the fact that we got up school 315, 330, often uh, the WRL was up by the time um, the train was passing, the train was pulling in, and the crowd, if we can call it a crowd in those days, would be uh, you know would be getting on, and you could tell you know obviously immediately you, know, you didn't need to see the flag, but just by the um, disposition position of the people who were getting on the train. And I you know I still think there is a kind of intimate relationship between Cub fans uh, on the north side and not just the north side with the team that is utterly unique. Um, and I you know maybe it exists in Boston. Um, after that, I'd be hard pressed. You know, it's a neighborhood ballpark. It's 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 in the warp and the whiff of the uh, of the city. I just think we feel Cub fans feel differently about the franchise, um, and uh, you know, it's kind of the intimacy. Now, I I had as it as it also happens some personal relations. My auntie Marion was married to Charlie Grimm, uh, the uh, old Cub first baseman and manager, who was in that uh, that pretty famous Norman Rockwell picture called the dugout where you have a bunch of cubs uh, sitting on the bench looking absolutely baleful including by the way the bat boy at something mortifying that has happened on the field um and of course my my godfather was jack Brickhouse, the longtime uh, cubs announcer so uh, you know and it, it occurred so i mean i i had told you about a white Sox fan who almost ran me over in the streets of washington dc today uh, a few minutes before that my daughter and i had been sitting at an outdoor cafe and I had my Cubs hat on and a Cubs jacket and I don't always dress like a Cubs nerd, but I mean, I, <laughs> I, I had to accompany my daughter to, you know, to back to get her second vaccination and I just threw stuff on over my gym clothes and it's a little chilly. So we were sitting there at this outdoor cafe and a guy passed me and he said, hey, Mr. Cub, I know what he meant. I'm not Ernie Banks, but in any event, you know, he said, hey, Mr. Cub, and I said, hey, hey, uh, and uh, it was our oldest daughter who said, isn't that what Uncle Jack said? And I said, yes, you're absolutely right, baby. That's what Uncle Jack said. Can I tell you a story about, about Uncle Jack? And I, hey, I'm hey? definitely going to ask
2: you about Jack, so please tell me about Uncle Jack. I want to hear that.
0: Okay, so uh, as it turned out, I well, I had told Uncle Jack a few years ago. We were talking about hey, hey. Uh, we, we were having a drink. And... Uh, um, in any event, I said, I've got to tell you, I met a woman in New York who said that she can tell uh, when a man has grown up in Chicago, if at the, what I'll delicately call even on a podcast, the highest moment of romantic fruition, they shout out, hey, hey. <laughs> and, and Uncle Jack thought that was like the you know, greatest ratification of his life's work that he had ever heard. And as it turned out, the last time I saw Uncle Jack was in 1998 uh, at my stepfather's memorial service. And it was uh, it turned out to be actually just 10 days before Jack himself died. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will add, forgive all these parentheticals. Yeah, You know, his his health had been tender anyway. Uh, And a few weeks before I had I'd called him when he was at Northwestern Hospital because he had had a. essentially a stroke while he was getting why am I telling this story he was getting dressed for Harry Carey's funeral oh my gosh and I said to him you know uh, know, I called him in the hospital my mother called and said Jack's in the hospital and I called him and he said "Uh, hi there and he said I I guess I just got a little too excited dressing for Harry's funeral (laughs) 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 they had a they had a delicate friendship. In any yes. event, I like yes. to think Harry would have said the same thing. In any event, um, so the last time I saw him, I didn't know it would be the last time I saw him, but it was at my stepfather's memorial service. And, you know, he was leaving, and I leaned over, we leaned over to hug and kiss each other. And he just held me next to him and he whispered into my ear. You keep saying "Hey, hey, kid." You keep saying "Hey, hey," yeah. <laughs> which you. was a reference to, to that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so right. sorry, I've gone on too much already. Chad. No, yeah. not at all, and
2: it's a great story, and and that our, our listeners are going to love that. I, I, uh, I, I, I want to ask you a little bit more about Jack in a bit, but um, your love affair with Wrigley Field. Tell me about yeah. what that place means to you, and and and, and obviously you haven't been back um, in in a in. A, in almost two years now with with yeah you're coming back this summer um what's that place mean to you and and what are you looking forward to when you get back there
0: oh i mean it is it is um we all have these parts you know in life that are that are important to us the night that i was going to propose to my wife uh i was going to pick her up at o'hare i was going to meet her at o'hare and we were, going to, we were going to stop at Wrigley Field and I was going to uh, pop the questionnaire. Wow. Now, as it, as, it, as it turned out, uh, her plane didn't land that night from New York because of bad weather. So, uh, you know, that plan had to be undone. And so the next day we were, um, I, she was coming to Chicago to meet me. There was a, uh, I think it was the International Booksellers Association Convention. Or whatever it's called, and uh, in any event, so she was meeting me there. Big event. I think she knew I was going to, you know, uh, ask her to marry me. It was not long. I mean, this was within two weeks after we met in New York. By the way, it was a very quick courtship, but to say the least. But in any event, so my plans to ask her at Wrigley Field were, you know, washed out because she didn't come in that night. She came in the next morning, met me at McCormick Place at the convention uh, for the uh, at the booksellers convention. Um, and then I decided I would, we, we got into a cab at McCormick place. My wife is French and I thought I would ask her to marry me in front of the plaque on the North Michigan Avenue bridge, which marks where para Marquette first came to Chicago. You know, I figured a French Chicago connection. And in any event, we get into the cab. It's the early afternoon. The cub game is on the radio and she can tell I'm a little nervous. She kind of knows what's going to happen. <laughs> and uh, in any event, Cubs game is on, and I turn to her and I go, "Hey, the Cubs are up two-one." And she goes, "My God, I can't believe it! You are actually listening to the game! You're actually listening to the game!" <laughs> uh, in any event, Wrigley Field is just—I I mean, I—I I, I, honestly I can't think of another you know public building that's that's as important to me that contains as many. Uh, happy memories of being there as a fan, Uh, just being there with my father, being there with Uncle Jack, being there with my mother, my, my, you know, my auntie Marion in recent years, being there with my, uh, my own family and my children. And um, I'm not, when Charlie Grimm had been married uh, to my auntie Marion and when Uncle Charlie died, um, Andy Marion reminded the Tribune, who then owned the club, that uh, Mr. Wrigley had promised that Charlie could have his ashes scattered along the first base line, mm. and the Tribune, the club, just didn't want to hear this. But you know, they said, "Look, if we if we let everybody who wanted to have their ashes scattered along the first base be buried, the place would be awash in crematorium ashes." And they said, "We just Marion, we just can't let this do- be done." And on top of everything else. They said, you know, some of our players have religious objections and not, you know. My Auntie Marion was a very determined woman and she persisted. So when the Cubs were at spring training in Arizona, uh, I got a call one night, Zanny Marion come to Wrigley Field tomorrow at 11, you know, and she was able to scatter Uncle Charlie's ashes uh, along first base. And, and by the way, to this day, in our family, if there's like a close play at first base, if there's a runner on first, and the pitcher is trying to, you know, and they fall, we say he gets up with a pocket full of uncle Charlie. Um, <laughs> in any event, I, I I do know that Steve Goodman figured out a way to have his ashes scattered at Wrigley Field. Uh, and I, I, let's just put it this way. My daughters know where they're gonna put me, okay? Yep. We have, uh, we have the row, we have the seats, yeah. uh, and they're endlessly resourceful when the time comes, which I hope is no time soon, uh, they'll know what to do. We'll be right back with Scott Simon after this.
1: It's time for the Golden Cubs Fun Fact of the Week, brought to you by our partners at Golden Rule Entertainment. It wasn't until 1988 that the Chicago Cubs had lights put in at Wrigley Field the date of that first night game was 8-8-88 versus the Philadelphia Phillies however the game was rained out and it wasn't until the following day on August 9th 1988 that was officially recorded as the first night game at Wrigley Field the Cubs won 6-4 over the New York Mets and that's your Golden Cubs Fun fact of the week, brought to you by Golden Rule Entertainment, offering big league opportunities while owning a piece of a minor league style ball club. To find out more information about how you can become an owner, go to www.goldenruleentertainment.com. And now back to our interview with Scott Simon.
2: Having Jack Brickhouse as as a godfather. Um, you, you'd share that that, that that story, but I mean, that, I, I just, I mean, you probably didn't realize that when you were a kid. I mean, that just seemed- was, Oh no, yeah, no, it was just real. Um, what, you know, what were some of those moments like when you were a kid and, and
0: the times that it hit you? Like, I've got a, I've got kind of a special Godfather. Um, I'd often, my father would often take me to the game. And, and I remember, I remember meeting Stan Musial when I was a kid. Uh, and I, I remember without quite knowing how big Stan Musial was um, because he was so nice. You know, there were, there, were, there were a lot of players who would say, hello, hey, how are you doing kid? But he was genuinely nice, you know. I mean, he really, he really, uh, he leaned over, talked to me. It was, you know, it was, uh, it was absolutely great. And it wasn't until I got, you know, older uh, I, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing I, I, my children went through a period where they think that, you know, everybody's kid is on radio and television and writes books and then they, you know, you know at some point they realize that it's, uh, you know, just kind of something, you know, they're not impressed by it still, but in any event, it's just, you know, um, and, and I think it was, I was getting older, I, I would understand that, you know, because look, I loved Uncle Jack and I thought he was a great announcer, but I mean, everybody all of my we all imitated uncle jack and my imitation was no better than anybody else's but i mean that's you know that's who you imitated growing up as a kid was uncle jack because he was the cubs announcer um and uh i also you know my father died when i was uh when i was 16 and he had he had lots of problems before that and it became particularly after my father died uh Jack really took his godfather responsibility seriously mm. to, I mean, even more so than before to, you know, to be present in my life. And it was very common for me to, um, if the game was still in progress, uh, when I would take the L pass there on Addison, uh, I would just get off impulsively and I would, I would present myself at, I think it was gate 43. And they would call up to the booth. There was a guy named Jack Rosenberg and I would go up the steps past the Andy Frain ushers and I would, you know, I would sit there in the booth for the last inning or two or whatever extra innings. And then I'd go with him. He would have a more than a drink at the Pink Poodle, which was a lounge that they had um, in in those days. And, you know, I mean, I, Leo DeRocher would come in there and have more than a drink to they also had complicated thoughts about each other. What can I tell you? He didn't think he 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 thought particularly in 1969. He thought Leo just ran the team ragged too much early in the year. But I you know I uh, I digress again. And uh, it was very important to Jack for Jack to be present in my life at that particular point. He loved my father, but he understood my father had a drinking problem. Uh, and. He understood the ways in which my father, you know, I both missed my father, and I think to those of us who've lost our fathers at an early age, we both miss them and love them, and are a little angry that they left us, yeah. you know. And and a lot of that boils over, and he he knew exactly how to read that, and I think he uh, uh, he was wonderful with me, absolutely wonderful. I love that. Thank you for that story. I.
2: Um... I can't imagine what that'd be like just to sit, sit alongside Jack Brickhouse for the last couple of innings for so many, so many games. That's got to be amazing. So when you think about the moments that, that, uh, that made you a Cubs fan, we talked about that on the front end, but when you think about, you know, that, that park has a lot to do with it, the team and the characters but there wasn't a lot of success
0: during your lifetime really until the last no, 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 you know, absolutely not. And that, and that, you know, that, that devastating 1969 season and the loss to the Mets. Um, and then in, in some ways the 1970 season was even more devastating because the first year you thought, well, you know, it's still a great team. It is still say, for the 2016 world series team. I think one of the great teams of all time. I mean, Look at that lineup, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Fergie Jenkins, Kenny Holtzman, you know, Becker, Kessinger, I could go on, Randy Hundley, you know, um, Ernie Banks, one of his last great productive years, the great Billy Williams, Jim Hickman had a hell of a year, I mean, I could go on. In any event, a, you know, a great team that just fell short in many ways, 1970 was even uh, more devastating, because it, you know, that's when you understood that that team, Probably wouldn't make it after after those kinds of two disappointments, uh, you know. And and it 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 became part of the character, I think, of the team. You know, nursing that disappointment, and I, you know, I think in some ways we became a little too proud of it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I remember talking to Michael Lewis, who wrote Moneyball and many great books, uh, at this particular point where he said that he 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 thought part of what happened is the Cubs. Despite their record on the field, became one of the most successful franchises in baseball, and he said, therefore, you know, what motive did they have to uh, to really win anything when they were making just about as much money as they could, um, you know, by losing, and and yeah. particularly when they became, you know, I'm not sure proud is, but they became comfortable with that stamp of lovable, lovable losers, and so I was. Um, uh, I think there's something to that, and I was very gra- glad when the Ricketts family came in, and you know, and clearly had a dedication to uh, to doing something else because there is absolutely every reason um, for the Cubs to be not the Yankees, but to be like the Red Sox, to be like the Dodgers, to you know, to be to win a lot, to be yeah. champions a lot. You know, they have the market, they have the backing, they have the um, I think, particularly, ability to get great players. You know, which, which, because, because I think there is that indefinable ingredient. If, if, uh, if a great player, a promising young player, is is presented, you know, if the money is about equal, well, really, where do you want to be? You know, because you're, as so many players have said to me over the years, you were never a star, the way you are a star on the north side of Chicago, and I think I think that's absolutely true. When we had uh, George Will on, uh, uh, maybe a, two months
2: ago, he had shared the, the, yeah. his, his hatred for lovable losers. He just said it just it just allowed people to say, "Okay, because you've you've embraced that, yeah, we're supposed to embrace that." And and that I think that is that that speaks to it. But it, we're in a different time now, so put on your Cubs fan hat now, and and we're we're really I happy. I literally yeah, do have exactly one literally yeah. do,
0: yeah.
2: um, and and tell me how you're feeling about this twenty twenty one season about about all I... the storylines. What are you thinking?
0: I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about this season, let me knock wood, um, you know, as as I'm speaking with you this week, we're two games, forgive me for saying we I actually don't play for the team, you know, I sometimes have to make that plain to people, uh, we're two games out, which I, I think lots of people, myself included, didn't think would be possible at this particular point, uh, you know, Chris Bryant is playing the way I wish he had last year or the year before, and I, I, I think just a lot of good things uh, are coming together, and, and I'm, you know, I, uh, I think it could be really a great year. It's, uh, it's very interesting to me. I think, you know, uh, we're big Rizzo fans in our household. We love Rizzo. And I mean, we love them all, but I mean, oh, and, and and Contreras we love, And I could go on and Javi, Javi. Uh, you That's know, me. in um, my current novel, which is the only wine novel I've ever written called Sunnyside Plaza, which is set there on the north side, on Sunnyside, uh, which is a street just a block north of Wilson Avenue, uh, I actually have a character named after Javi Baez. Uh, he's, a, he's a 13-year-old boy, and I named him Javi but, uh, and there, and there's a, there are two scenes, actually two scenes at a Cubs game. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the season. I mean, I don't want to jinx anything. Absolutely not. But I think they are playing beyond expectation at this particular point. And, uh, you know, Kyle Hendricks, good season. I mean, I, I think there's a, I I think there are a lot of good possibilities that could be over the horizon. And I, you know, and I, and I think David Ross is getting the hang of this managing thing. I think that's good. And I'm, I'm happy he has a new girlfriend and, uh, (laughs) according to reports (laughs) and, uh, I I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about the season right now.
2: What is last question? You're, you're hearing
0: you're hearing our dog bark in the back. Sorry, yes. Yeah,
2: That's okay. See, I've got one our too. dog
0: our dog agrees. Daisy yes, agrees. Yes, yes,
2: yes, Well, I'll leave you with this question: What is yeah. when you think about walking back into Wrigley Field later on this yeah. summer with your
0: family? What is that going to mean to you? Oh, I, I'm undoubtedly going to cry. I'm I'm undoubtedly going to cry. I mean, I think we can forget. You know, when this whole pandemic hit last year we our family uh, my wife is french we we spend a few weeks out of every year in france we had the trip of a lifetime planned uh we were going to fly to london see the two game series that the cubs were going to play against the cardinals in wembley stadium and then go on to france and I mean, we had invited, you know, friends in London and friends in France for that matter. And, you know, I mean, this was going to be one of the big, you know, uh, moments of our fandom, of our lifetimes really, to be able to be in Wembley Stadium mm-hmm. and, you know, and, uh, and to watch the Cubs and, you know, to kind of be ambassadors for the Cubs around, you know, around our foreign friends. Uh, Well, you know, uh, I remember when the lockdown occurred, kathunk, um, we, 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 at that point, we just didn't know how long it would exist, you know? And so for, I think a couple of weeks we felt, well maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the game will still go on. And then of course, I think it, it was obviously clear that the season wouldn't take place. And, you know, certainly that game had to be canceled hasn't been rescheduled. And then we went through a period where we didn't know how long this would last. I mean, I think we have to remember last summer, you know, people were racing to develop a vaccine, but there was no assurance that anything would happen. So we, you know, we we didn't know. We just didn't know. So to be able to, uh, to go back and, you know, to, to share it with our with our children is, is gonna be just overwhelmingly emotional, overwhelmingly emotional for me. And to, uh, you know, to be back in the north side of, of Chicago and to be to be in that stadium, to be in those seats and to uh, look out on the field, once again, will just just mean the world to us. And once again, our
2: special thanks to Scott Simon. You can find him on Twitter. He's got about a million followers. He put puts out a ton of content on Twitter. He's very entertaining. He's just a really smart dude. He's as big as a Cub fan as they come. He's got so many great stories. And you can find him in NPR Scott Simon um, uh, on Twitter. You can find Ryan at Ryan D Lieber. You can find me at the Chad Gordon. Right, I love that interview. Just a lot of great stories, and one of the favorite things we've talked about about doing this podcast. A, we get tremendous listeners, and we've got really, really uh, dedicated listeners on a week in, week out basis. But the the people that we get to talk to is so so fun.
1: Oh, absolutely, and they take the time to join us, and they really share some awesome, awesome insight about the Cubs, about their experience and just about their love for the baseball team that you and I have the same love for as well. So we appreciate Scott Simon taking the time to join us. And uh, that was really a lot of fun. So that is going to wrap things up on this special edition of the friendly confines. Once again, our thanks to Scott Simon from NPR radio and CBS Sunday morning for Chad. I'm Ryan. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Have a good one.
2: See you at the ballpark.
0: just a game For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're afield The first time you walk into Wrigley.